Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Conley on a 6-0 run, fires the three. Good! 9-0 run! Timeout, Frank Vogel. Jazz by 10. Like that! Just like that! Boom! Donovan gets his own rebound. Throws it out to Royce. Rotates to Bogdanovich. Sets his feet. Fires away. Bullseye! Conley pushes. Goes to the far base corner. Comes off and go bear pick with the left hand. Lobs to Rudy. Another dunk. There throttling this team right now. Donovan catch and shoot with 1.6 seconds left on the inbound. He got it! Three ball right side for Donovan. The first of the three triple-double items is off the charts. Conley, high pick and roll. Kick out Clarkson. Catch and shoot three. Good. 18 of 38 for three for the Jazz. And the Jazz go on to beat the Lakers 114 to 89. Second quarter, they broke it open, 39-24, just buried him with the offense, 15-point advantage there. And then it was the defense in the third quarter, 27-17. And PK, somewhere in the middle of that game, it was all over and everybody knew it. No drama at all. You get amped up for a Laker game because it's the Lakers, but they're missing Anthony Davis, they're missing Dennis Schroeder, and they can't hang with the Jazz on that night. Yeah, you never know in the playoffs, though, buddy. <laughs> there it is. Post-game quote. Markeith Morris, we see the Jazz. We know they beat our ass tonight. But in the playoffs, it's a different story. Leave that out there. See you again this summer. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, the Lakers got a long way to go to be able to worry about playing the Jazz. See, it's okay for the Jazz to be worrying about the Nets, but not the Lakers. Yeah. All comes down to are the Lakers healthy? Because I know, no matter what you say right now, you believe if the Lakers are healthy, it won't matter if they're the 4 or 5 seed. That's not going to matter to LeBron. Well, as Mark Jackson said last night, they need Dennis Schroeder back. You get him back, Katie bar the door. Rudy can't bar the basket. Jazz will head out on a pre-All-Star break road trip now. Miami and Orlando back-to-back on Friday and Saturday. Four-game trip, and then they get a break. Yeah, that's a, that's assuming that uh, Miami and Orlando show up. I mean, the way these guys are playing, they may just say, hey, come on. The NBA revealed the second-half schedule for the teams that are willing to show up. Jazz is going to open the second half on March 12th at home against Houston. The regular season is going to end mid-May, May 16th at yeah. Sacramento. And then, you know, if they do decide to play the Jazz, I think the Jazz would be very complimentary and say, nice of you to show up. Oh, Jim Boylan. Nice. String them all together, PK. Stream of consciousness. You're on a roll. Well, who's to say that, uh, you know, the way that the Boise metro area is exploding, they don't get an NBA team, and then obviously Boise would have their crack. May 22nd. Think they could get some first-team all-whackers? Oh, that community's got several. Having been there, everywhere you turn around. Playoffs start May 22nd. So, brace yourself for July finals. 
Well, I think they already listed the date, July twenty second. I yep. think is the end. Is the end ahead of the Olympics? That's the normal. Yeah. Uh, it's a normal timing. Two months of playoffs after the regular season. Yeah, they've already put that out there. They haven't put the actual days, but they put the beginning and the end. Former Utah Jazz guard Elijah Millsap made allegations that then GM Dennis Lindsay made a bigoted comment to him during an exit interview in twenty fifteen, allegedly saying, "Quote." If you say one more word, I'll cut your black ass and send you back to Louisiana. Close quote. Lindsay categorically denied making the comment. Quentin Snyder said in the postgame, honestly, I don't remember the conversation. I can't fathom Dennis saying something like that. Ru- Rudy Gobert was asked about it. He's a player, one of the few players on the team who was here in 2015. He acknowledged that he was uh, actually close to Elijah Millsap while Elijah was here. Said it was the first he'd heard of it. Pointed out it was six years ago and he didn't know what to say. Kind of shook his head after the six years. Said he'd be reaching out to Elijah, but really didn't know what to add at this point. Well, that's logical of Rudy, yeah. yeah. This, is, this is an interesting situation here because in our community, you know, we had the Morgan Scowley thing over the summer, and that was, I think, it was seven years ago, if I remember correctly. I may be off. And now Elijah Millsap six years ago. Very interesting that... It's not that, I don't know, it has any relationship. It's just interesting in a sense that it's been all these years. Now, obviously, Dennis Lindsay comes out strongly and says he categorically denies it. Uh, Quinn Snyder listening to him last night. You and I talked during the game, and we were talking about how it's going to be interesting to see what Quinn Snyder has, has to say. And I think it was the second question that was asked of him in the post game. He said he doesn't remember and he can't fathom it. Uh... That's reasonable. If it wasn't that big of a deal, what what? There's so much more that is out there besides one little uh, snippet of a conversation. You know what was going on prior to the the actual. Assuming what's the backstory that would have yeah. led to that kind of statement being made? You what can't kind assume of, it's true, but what? Yeah, what was what the context kind of, of the conversation? What was going yeah. on? Was it was it their literal exit interview? Because it was in April. Uh, at that, I think he said yeah. April, right? Was yeah. it the exit interview, yes. or was it? A, that's what other? It, that's what Elijah Millsap claims. Okay, so yeah, well, uh, what kind the whole of thing what, is bizarre? Right. What kind of conflict would have been happening over the end of the season leading up to that? What would have happened in a in that literal conversation leading up to that? But what would have been happening in the weekend or week or two leading up to that? There could have been that kind of conflict, you know. I think we've all, at some, if you've worked long enough, at some point you've had conflict with your boss. And sometimes it just happens in a second. But sometimes there's a big buildup to it. So, I don't know. Yeah, uh, why, the whole why, thing I, don't, I, I don't know. fascinating. I don't know why now. I don't know why it took so long. And if it takes so long, why does it come out now? I mean, to go to, you know, the constant parallels, because this is, well, for the individuals involved, it's a one-off. But when you look at the bigger... You know, in sports and in society, you know, why did Andy Williams talk when he did and say what he said about Deloy Hansen? Well, he'd been furloughed a long time. He clearly had not wanted to say anything earlier because he'd been afraid for, you know, what it would do to his employment. But once he was furloughed and he figured his employment was done, he was willing to say something. And with Deloy out, he thought he'd be back. And ironically, before all this broke yesterday, he was tweeting that he finally took another job because he hadn't heard anything from RSL. And, I mean, he's put it out there on social media. He thinks he's toxic because he's the one who said what he said and started it, and then subsequently other people said stuff. But Andy feels like he's still paying the price. So, you know, why didn't Elijah say it earlier? Why does he say it now? Why didn't he say it later? 
again, it's to your point, what's all the backstory? You know, we can look at other situations and see the backstory that existed. And there must be one for this, but Elijah Millsap was off my radar, and I'm pretty sure he's off your radar. I hadn't thought about him in a long time. I don't know what's going on with him and where he is in his career. So, probably not the last we've heard of it. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what Rudy says after he's communicated with Elijah. That might be the next thing that comes up. All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. John Collins gets the ricochet rebound, though, out to Gallo. He fakes. Now he's going to shoot the three. And he makes another one. Ten three-pointers. A new Hawks record. Oh, my goodness. Gallo. Rubio flips it up to Nerebol with a scoop of the right hand. Controlled by Carter to White. White to Levine with a pull-up. Right side three. Bam! All-star Zach Levine with 35. Timeout, Minnesota. Shea giving it. Keith Horford driving on a portal. Right corner of Dort for three in the lead. And wins a Kenyan Thunder Buddy Ball. Lucas Dort falls backward in celebration. Mobbed by his teammates. OKC wins it at the buzzer. 102-99 over the Spurs. Lou Dort, buzzer beating, game-winning three-pointer. 102-99. PK. Yeah. He was the only guy on that side of the court. You get open shots. That, that was an open shot. And he knocked it down. That's a great story. I mean, he played one year with the Devils and then goes undrafted. Oops. Yeah. Undrafted, man. I mean, he's not a star by any stretch. Oh, he's a tough, tough defender. And he's had a big-time body, NBA body, since he was a kid. He's been fortunate with that. So I like to see those types of stories of guys who get overlooked and have to fight and move all that stuff, and then he hits that game winner. It was fun for him. Zion Williamson was not overlooked. Number one pick in the draft. 32 points for the All-Star, and the Pelicans take down the Pistons, 128-118. Oh, he made a statement. I bet you they were saying, yeah, see, he's showing he's worthy. (laughs) I love how the announcers got to get into that cliche. You knew that was coming once Conley hit a couple of buckets. Had the first five points of the game. <laughs> Conley's on one. Here we go. <laughs> Danilo Gallinari was on one. 10 of 12 from the three-point line. 13 of 16 from the floor. Made a couple of free throws and finished with 38 points off the bench for the Hawks as they beat the Celtics. 127-112. Celtics two games under 500 now. Uh, 10 of 12 from three. I'd retire. <laughs> and go out on top. Warriors win again. That was the game on ESPN right before the Jazz game. Warriors Close out the Pacers, 111-107. Steph Curry, 24 points, 8 rebounds, 8 assists. An all-around game from Steph. Warriors finding their stride a little bit, PK. Great. Potential first-round opponent for the Jazz or too good to climb in the standings? Not going to find them in the 8th spot. Oh, we're not going to do this now, are we? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Come on. I can't look ahead to the finals. I can't look ahead to the first round. Come on. Come on! You gotta get past the All-Star break. The Warriors are eighth right now, right? I'm not gonna get involved in that. Too soon. Suns had a chance to catch the Lakers for third in the West, but lost to the Hornets 124-121. Lamelo Ball had 20 points and eight assists. Gordon Hayward looked like he got away with a foul at the end of the game on Devin Booker. No All-Star status at home for Devin Booker. 
Yes, he's named a replacement for Anthony Davis. Yeah, well, that's good news for the Jazz then if I'm going to go because I don't want to face the Lakers in the first round. So I'm going to all-out panic that they're going to be fourth. So I need the Suns to start losing then. I mean, where does that end? And that would be in the second round, obviously. But uh, where would that end? Oh, well, I think your you're worrying about that would uh, end on May 16th when the regular season finishes with the Jazz in Sacramento. Or you can just sit back, my, watch my, the basketball, and then that will, find that out what the That will be when it ends, yeah. but when does it begin? And it doesn't begin now. DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. A lot of college hoops tonight. Utah hosting UCLA at the Huntsman Center at 6 o'clock. Uh, USC over the weekend. The Utes are going to have a say here in the Pac-12 title race down the stretch. Seeing the top two teams in the league. That game is at 6 o'clock tonight at the Huntsman Center. You can see it on the Pac-12 networks. BYU hosting USF. Marriott Center, 7 o'clock on the CBS Sports Network. USF, 4-7 and seven in league. Ought to be a W for BYU. Oh, just except everyone should be a W except for Gonzaga. Gonzaga. This is a crappy league. And we can say, oh man, USF last year they were they were they were on the come. Will we stop with this? This is a garbage league. BYU's way better. They should beat every team except Gonzaga. It's as simple as that. That is almost how it's played out this year. They've got one loss to somebody. They're zero and two against Gonzaga, eight and one against everybody else in the league. We made a big deal about BYU's football schedule. Well, this is their annual conference basketball schedule. Save Gonzaga and occasionally St. Mary's. SUU beat Northern Arizona 85-80 last night. Weber State's at Sac State tonight in Big Sky action. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. I think he's probably looking somewhere around June uh, right now from what I'm hearing. But, yeah, I mean, his leadership, he doesn't have to be out there throwing it anymore. He can just he can be standing there coaching the out of them. So I'm hoping we have an offseason for the younger players. Uh, Tom doesn't need it. For him, he can learn as much standing and sitting in my golf cart as he can out there throwing the ball again. So it, for me, it's just a matter of hopefully having uh, those practices. That's Bruce Arians, Tampa Bay head coach. He and the GM would be, Todd Light, uh, Jason Light, uh, would be elated if they could get a deal done with Brady to keep him with the franchise beyond his current two-year deal. One down, two to go. That should be I a pretty go easy. Fernando Tatis, like contract for Brady. <laughs> 14 years. <laughs> you got Brady signed through 50. He'll be 58. He'll be 58 but, uh, when he's done. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll be willing to talk to him at that point. See if he wants to play into his 60s. Brady slated to make $25 million in the coming season. Kansas City Chiefs had all sorts of problems with their offensive line by the time they got to the Super Bowl while they're starting right tackle. Mitchell Schwartz underwent surgery for a back injury that knocked him out of the lineup midway through the past season. He expects to be fully healthy and available come training camp this summer. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Ah, free agency in college football. Herm got it right. The old free agent season. BYU is adding former Utah State defensive back Jacob Robinson as a transfer. Robinson played at Orem High. Former Utah defensive lineman Mufiel Hunt from Murray High. 
also joining BYU as a transfer recently. Good luck keeping up with all this, PK. Good thing we have Yach. Okay. Good. Congratulations to those guys, I guess. Clemson senior defensive end Justin Foster, 10 and a half tackles for loss in 2019, announced his retirement Wednesday saying a combination of asthma, allergies, and COVID-19 have made it impossible for him to return to the field. Done playing. And a senator from Kansas, Jerry Moran, introduced federal legislation Wednesday that allows student-athletes to sign endorsement deals in the future with some restrictions on what types of deals they could enter. The bill, if passed, would also increase the medical coverage that many of the wealthiest athletic departments have to provide for their athletes and establish rules that would allow players to transfer to new schools and enter professional drafts without losing eligibility. You've been talking about that for a while, PK. How come you have to give up your college eligibility? If you're Lou Dort and you're undrafted, you ought to have the chance to go back to school. Yeah, that makes no sense. That's the colleges having a rule that favors the professionals. Let the professionals worry about that. Do stuff that are in the best interest of your organization, format, level, whatever you want to call it. Well, that, that's, that's part of the freedom that I think for some of these kids, uh, it needs to be right there with the cash. Nothing supersedes cash. Cash is the answer to so many things. Let's call it like it is. But uh, I think that they should be able to do that. Why? Why? Why have? Why do your sports have rules that benefit the pros? DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. I think it's pretty similar to every year we come in here for spring training. I think. Uh, our front office does such a great job of accumulating talent and and putting a group in the room that uh, we think has a chance to win a World Series every single year. So this year is no different. Uh, obviously, a lot of great players um, added some very nice pieces to the roster, and uh, we're looking forward to making another deep run and uh, bring another championship to L.A. So um, I don't think it's that different from any other year. That's the Dodgers' Justin Turner asked about the pressure to repeat as World Series champs. The expectation's always there. Turns out this year they're defending it, and the previous year they may have lost it, but the expectation is always, win it all, baby. Win it all. Well, yeah, when you have that type of payroll, everyone wants a return on their investment, and for the Dodgers, the return on the investment is literally doing that. Across town, the Angels' Shohei Otani. That he topped out at 97 miles per hour, pitching during live batting practice. Otani has not pitched regularly since 2018 because he had Tommy John surgery. PK, we've talked about this before. About uh, I, I'm excited at the thought of seeing somebody be, you know, hitting home runs one day as a DH or an outfielder or whatever, and another day pitching. But you point out, well, nobody's done this since Babe Ruth, and Babe Ruth gave it up. Now, he pitched, but he pitched like the first, I don't know, four or five years, something like that in his career. And then all through the 20s and into the 30s, he was he was an outfielder. Is Otani really going to do this? Still clearly messing around with it since he's throwing 97 mile an hour pitches. Yeah, I was thinking about this when I saw this because I obviously I saw it yesterday too, and they continue to try to have him do both. I'm wondering maybe not as a starting pitcher, maybe as a spot reliever here and there. But then, you know, you can't just necessarily give somebody that unless you intend to really use them because that's a valuable spot on the roster. 
and pitching. You know, you have got guys, guys who've been in the big leagues for a number of years that aren't necessarily good, but they're healthy, and they call them innings eaters because they can. You can give them the ball, and they can go out there and they can do their thing. And even if they're not great, you got to have somebody out there. So I don't know if they can do that. It's a development that they seem like they keep trying to force, and it hasn't worked so far. So put on your manager hat. Do you see him as a guy who is one of the four outfielders, they're rotating him through, and that he would sit on a day when the bullpen has been beat up? You know, a couple guys have bad starts, and they've had, or they've had extra inning games or whatever, and, you know, they've had uh, the bullpen's tired. Okay, he's in the bullpen today. He's gonna, he can come in and throw a couple innings and give, give somebody else a day off. And that's how you rotate the four outfielders through. Is that well, I enough? That he's, I don't know that he's. Or he's thinking he wants to be in the rotation. <laughs> he wants to be in the rotation and then be in the outfield a couple of days when normally. Yeah, I, don't, he'd be I don't think he's played much outfield though. I think you're assigning him a position. I think he's been mostly the designated hitter. Uh, so uh, there's questions to be answered on that. Chicago star, Chicago White Sox star, first baseman Jose Abreu will be isolated for several days. He tested positive for COVID nineteen. Team says he's completely asymptomatic and frustrated to be away from the club. Spring training's supposed to be a good time. You don't want to be isolated during spring training. I know, really. I mean, that means no golf in the afternoon, right? I don't know if Jose Abreu golfs, but uh, I'm not sure about that. Toronto Blue Jays phenom Vlad Guerrero Jr. told reporters he dropped 42 pounds in the offseason in an effort to be in better shape going into spring training in the early part of the season. Most major league. It was chunky, there was no doubt yeah. about it. That, that's a lot of light, well, weight to drop. Yeah. Most major leaguers don't have 42 pounds to drop, you wouldn't think. Or if they do, they have no intention of dropping it, so either way, it doesn't happen. All right, what is trending? Brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801 295 1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, the Joe Ingalls Show. Probably about 8.35 this morning in the 9 o'clock hour. Craig Bullerjack, TV voice of the Jazz, and Mike Weir, former Masters champ, talk about Tiger Woods. He'll join us at 9.30. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Longtime NBA video coordinator. He's Mo DeKeel with us. Your thoughts on what you've seen from this Jazz team thus far? You know, the thing that's most interesting is this is the team everybody was expecting last season. You're seeing everybody more comfortable in their roles. It's not just Mike Conley having a better understanding of the system and a better feel after his first season, but, you know, Joe Ingles going to the bench was an adjustment for him last season, and he's more comfortable in that role. Getting Derek Favors back has been huge. They're playing at a great level, and the other thing too is they've just been red hot from three and i think that's been a big thing for them catch the big show weekdays from two to seven presented by big old tires the team you trust on 97.5 1280 the zone in the zone sports network hot takes or toast is brought to you by jerry signer cadillac at jerry signer cadillac you can shop your way and get a piece of luxury you deserve stop by at test drive one today question of the morning on our Facebook page, DJ and PK. How sweet is it to hammer the Lakers under any circumstance? You can hit us up with your response on Facebook, on Twitter, David DJ James. Grab your phone, use our app, use the open mic feature, send your take to Yach, and he will get it on the air. How sweet is it to hammer the Lakers under any 
circumstance. Hector says, they still have LeBron playing, and it's a dang good win. Oh, it's so sweet. It's like jelly, baby. (laughs) Jason says, LeBron's only won two times in Salt Lake since 2010. He had that great line after one game, I don't think my career is going to be defined by how much I won in Salt Lake. Fact. Well, it's the Lakers. It's not LeBron here. That's what Mark says. I don't care about the circumstances. Anytime the Jazz beat the Lakers, it's a great time to be a Jazz fan. I mean, they're arch enemy, as they are for just about everybody in the West. (laughs) Portland, Phoenix, Sacramento, all the places they receive warm welcomes. (laughs) Golden State. So it's the Lakers. Irregardless of who they have or don't have. And you couple that with LeBron, and it's always good to beat the Lakers. eh? I mean, they're the benchmark. They're what every team in the West, and you can argue every team in the league and mainly in professional sports, they are what you're trying to become. All the titles that they've won, so many, all the finals experiences, uh, appearances, on and on and on, to think that uh, you know what they've accomplished as a franchise. If you think, oh, well, they're in L.A., whatever, okay, fine. You can you can put all the circumstances you want attached to it, but nevertheless, all that they've accomplished is very, very impressive. And so to beat these guys and then beat them up is even better. And then, too, as I'm looking at it and reflecting upon the game, nobody did anything that makes you go, wow. No, as I reflected on the game, because there's plenty of time to reflect on the game during the game, since the drama and the competition was all, all drained out of it, I think if there was one thing to say wow about, it was that the, uh, the law of numbers that you cited yesterday, the law of averages, didn't bite the Jazz. They shot the three pretty well. Still made 22 of them after making 28 the night before. Uh, sure, percentage-wise they did. You can't argue with that. But that, that nobody had a phenomenal night. Bogdanovich got off to Schneid a little bit and made five. Yeah, Conley. But other than that... Conley was 4 yeah, of 6, Bogey was 5 of 8, but you're right. I mean, Mitchell was 2 of 7. That's it. Ingles was 1 of 3. I mean, those are pretty routine. I, Clarkson yeah. was 4 of 10. He took 10 threes. That's a lot of threes. But, hey, you make 40% of them, take a lot of threes. That's the whole point. If you're shooting 40% from three, you're in a really good spot. Yeah, so I can argue Mitchell at 4 of 16. Actually, he was the law of averages. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 25% shooting night. Yeah, so, I mean, he came back down to earth. I don't remember what he was the game before. But nobody did anything that you just look at and say, man, that's not sustainable. That's tough to repeat. And it really, literally, no one. Conley got off to a nice start, and then Jordan picked it up a little bit. But the Jazz only had a one-point lead in the first quarter. Yep. So that one point, I mean, a great start. Conley hit some buckets early, and then Clarkson came in. He hit some buckets early, but they only led by one point. <laughs> And then the 39 points in the second quarter, you know, that was obviously the second and third quarters were the two big differences in terms of extending the lead and making it a blowout. But nobody really did anything that just goes, man, that was just impressive. 
Donovan Mitchell, you know, if Conley, I, I laugh at this, Conley, oh, he's going to make a statement that he deserved to be on the All-Star Well, then did Mitchell deserve to make a statement that he doesn't deserve to be on the All-Star team? <laughs> well, and, and then Mitchell in the postgame said, you know, Mike had it rolling and he wants to run something for me. You know, it's like, I guess he wasn't making a statement then if he wanted to run something for somebody else. Well, I don't think he was making a statement. I think yeah. he was just doing his thing. I think probably the only guy that was maybe a little bit better than we would expect is Favors. He's five for five, so he's twelve and seven in seventeen minutes. You would take that every time if he's playing seventeen minutes to have that type of game. Make up, but you know he shoots basically dunks, or if not dunks for him, he knows his shot. And the great thing about Favors now is that he really knows what he's supposed to do, and everything that he does. It's exactly what they want him to do. So he takes the right kinds of shots, and he's going to get the boards. He had three offensive boards, which is good in 17 minutes. So he's giving you – I mean, last night was a classic example. Basically, he gave them close to 100% of why they brought him back. So that one, but in a blowout win of uh, uh, 25 points, what was it? I don't even remember what it was. 114.89. It was 25 points. Yeah, so I mean, that's that, that's a nice contribution, but obviously you probably win without it or, or less than say, those numbers. Very, very good for him. So that was, to me, that the mo- number one and most impressive thing about that win is nobody did anything extraordinary. It was very workmanlike, and then they still hammered him. That's what was most impressive. Well, how much of the hammering was defensive? I mean, 114 might be a little on the high side for a number, but it's not not by much. I mean, I, I think now you expect to see an NBA team, a good NBA team, between 105 or 110. They get below that, you wonder what happened. So 114 is kind of a whole – the 89 is the number that sticks out. Quinn Snyder – Yeah, but the Lakers don't they, they, Lakers don't have anybody who can score. Right. But Quinn Snyder was talking in the uh, – talking about the runs and the spurtability and all that stuff. He said the most important number in a 10-0 run is the zero. If you're not getting stops during that run, it's 10-6 or 10-8, you don't even notice. And so how, how well do you defend and held the Lakers in 89, but that's where the Lakers are without a couple of good offensive weapons. And so how much would that have changed everything? And so I, I think they're a very shallow team. Yeah. They've I, got... Two really good players. You got two or three and guys who want to give a night to her. good. Yeah. I'll give them that. And then you have to hope that these journeyman-like players who have a place in the league, you have to hope that a few of them are on. And Kuzma, you know, he's a local guy. Everybody wants to build him up and all that, but I'm not interested in that. I don't care. He's an average guy. Five points and in He had a nice rookie season, yeah. and we thought he was going to take off, but he really hasn't. And then it was all that, you know, they got Anthony Davis. You fans that do to Kuzma will be what you fans did to Jimmer. It was the Kings, it was the Knicks, uh, blah, 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 blah. Kuzma's got a spot in the league, but he's an average guy. Sometimes he's above average, but sometimes he's not, which then leads you to be average. Because the guys who are above average, way more often than not, that's why they are. But... You know, he was just kind of out there, really didn't do anything. Harold's a nice junkyard dog kind of guy off the bench. I'll give it to that. That's a nice signing. 
but the almighty plus minus thing, he was minus 15 when we bring that up for Conley as to why he should be in the all-star game. If you go by that, Harold's plus minus sucked. I'm not sure that's that big of a deal. But as I look at their bench, eh, who do they got that really jumps out at you? Thinking, you know, Morris would be coming off the bench, and and he's he's somewhat streaky, but you know, I would he, on this team he has a role for sure. So I think they've got a lot of deficiency. They just got real top end talent, and when that top end talent is clicking, well then the other guys I don't need to rely on them as much. So they can do what they do, and it's not as noticeable what they don't do. But when you have two of your five starters out, then it becomes more noticeable about what they can't do. Question of the morning, how sweet is it to hammer the Lakers under any circumstance? Even this one where they're missing two starters. Tony says it was the best game of the year, other than ESPN constantly reminding us that Anthony Davis is out and so is Schroeder. Didn't yeah, want to I hear laugh it. when Mark Jackson said they they, they got to get Schroeder back. I thought of all the guys, <laughs> I don't know that he would uh, really make much of. He would have he wouldn't have made any difference really last night. I don't I don't think in terms of winning and losing anyway. That's why I tweeted that out because I thought it was why bring up him and just seemed like it was funny to me. Got to get I'm AD sure they back. Miss him. Yeah. Uh, you miss just about anybody, win or lose. You want them back. Dan says 17 championships to zero. Enjoy the regular season. Ah, a Laker fan. Shots fired. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's what sports is about. And that's what the Lakers can throw at you and repeatedly throw at you as many times as they possibly want. But uh, in a sense, you know, I think that not that they're going to remember it in terms of, oh, we got to get revenge, we got to exact revenge, but they're going to acknowledge that, okay, they're going to be aware of the jazz that, hey, you know, they they beat us up, but here's what we need to do differently, blah, 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 if it should come to pass that they may meet each other in the postseason. And in, in the NBA, the postseason is really where it's at. I mean, that it's funny because your career-wise numbers are based on regular season. Well, the NBA, since they allow so many teams in the playoffs, it is about the postseason. They ought to pump up your postseason numbers far more than they do the regular season. Now, they do the titles and the ships, but you don't hear much about numbers in the playoffs. True story. That's not where it's at. Occasionally you hear occasionally hear when some guy sets a playoff record or whatever, but there's no real frame of reference for what that yeah, you means. Yeah, you didn't even know the, about the build-up to it. Right. And you're like, okay, name the top five playoff scores. But that all gets weird because there's so many more rounds now than there used to be. So well, comparing just, yeah, across okay, but, generations is hard, but it's really yeah. impossible in this situation. But just do it on your on whatever yours is in your error. That that's the way numbers should be compared. Like the NFL, it's ridiculous to compare passing numbers to the '60s and '70s and all that stuff. Yeah. Compare it to your error. Where do you stack up? 
And so then you can do it that way, and I think that's that's more relevant. Uh, but if I'm Morris right now, I say the same thing. What he said, they beat our ass, but we'll see about the playoffs. That's exactly what I would say because that's what matters the most. So I don't have any problem with him saying that because that's really what it's all about. This is rendered meaningless. Really, it's rendered meaningless uh, either way. It's fun in the interim, and that's exactly what you want to do. But when you get to the postseason, you know, you do it then. Well, then, then if the Jazz did it in the postseason, well, then they're really honest. And they're clearly no excuses whatsoever better than the Lakers. You can't say, well, yeah, but. And basically Morris is saying again about the Jazz, yeah, but. Which is what the Jazz are going to face right up until July. And, and that's the great thing about it. So the chip on the shoulder needs to be way more with the Jazz. Because no one's doubting the Lakers. But they're still, even at, what are they, 26-6 and six now? There's still a ton of doubt. And there's that attachment and qualifier. See about the postseason. And that's great. Because then you get to answer it. You know, the Utes in 08. Yeah, well, were they the best? We'll never know. We'll never know. And here we do get to know. That's what's great about the pro level. You do get to know. There's a reason there's so much doubt around the Jazz. It doesn't really have – it has a little to do with the Jazz, but it's really the league as a whole. We'll get to that next. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. George Niang right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Last year, losing to the Nuggets was really hard on a lot of us during the offseason. Being up 3-1 and then having that, I don't want to say devastating comeback, but it wasn't good. I think a lot of us realized, you know, if we want to do this and all be together and enjoy the time that we have together, we're going to have to win. What is that going to take? And I think a lot of us have put a lot of thought and effort into the defensive end, and that's translated for us to be able to play fast and shoot a ton of threes and I think we just all enjoy the camaraderie and being around each other we have a really unselfish group and I think the best part about us is we don't care who gets the accolades or who scores the most points at the end of the day if we're winning we're just you know happy to be on a team that we all have a good time and enjoy being around each other Hanson Scotting weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network of course, we're going to make the playoffs. I would say, you know, our whole preparation is prepared for the playoffs. You know, we see the Jazz. We know they beat our ass tonight. But, you know, in the playoffs, it's a different story. DJ PK brought to you in part by Davis Vision. Davis Vision's New Year's special continues through February. Save $1,000 off normal pricing now through the end of the month. Check them out now at davisvisionmd.com. That was Marquis Morris right there. That was a quote we were talking about in the last segment. And PK, there is a reason players turn the page and don't get intimidated by regular season and who has the best record. And it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the Jazz lineup. It's just that's the way the NBA has been working for a while. You don't have to have the best record in the NBA. Last year, the team with the best record in the NBA didn't win the title. Two years ago, the team with the best regular season record didn't win the title. Three years ago, the team with the best regular season didn't win the title. A couple of the Warriors championship teams were actually – the team that had the best regular season record, and then came back and won the title. Two of their three title teams did it. But two out of the last six years, it's not that big a deal. 
Okay, yeah, but you have to be in the top two, though. You mean a one or two seed, so top four in the league, or you mean one of the top two records in the league? No. No, because the, the, the finals home court is just about as meaningless as it could possibly be. So I'm talking about conference. So I guess I suppose that would be top four then. Uh, and it's so uneven in the scheduling. So, yeah, I was just speaking conference. I was just speaking West. In my mind, I had had that. You've got to be a really good team to win the final. To win the finals. That's the bottom line. I, I mean, I don't care what the statistics says. You've got to be a really good team. That's the bottom line. To quote my good friend Kyle Whittingham. Bottom line. <laughs> he loves bottom line. You can always. He, that's one of his go-to guys. He he likes to get to there pretty quick. <laughs> he, he's not one for much for fluff. Stop at the long along the way. Stop at the long explanation. I don't have yeah. a twenty-minute radio segment to to fill. Bottom line. Right. Yeah, I mean, if you know him, and we all do, he's a meat and potatoes dude, and so he wants bottom line. Get me, get me there as soon as possible, because I'm gonna get there eventually. So I just as soon get there as soon as I can. It's like golf, man. Get me to that hole as soon as I can. Because <laughs> that everything else is a bunch of crap. What did I score on that hole? <laughs> and that's then I can go back and dissect it and try to improve it. But get to the bottom line. The bottom line is you got to be a really good team. Whether you finish first, second, or whatever it might be, you've got to be a really good team. And the Lakers have that ability to be a really good team, irregardless of last night. Now, Moore is saying uh, the playoffs are a different story. Not necessarily. They can be and might be, and you could go probably will be, but it's not a guarantee that they are. I don't think he can speak in the present tense. As far as that goes, you can't say that right now. When you got a ball club that's 26 and 6, what ball club out of the West? And don't give me the freaking Atlanta Hawks of some years ago. I don't give a flying you know what. And if you tell me one more time about the Hawks, I'm going to kick you in the groin. I did it, on the, I did it on the phone last night when we were talking during the game. <laughs> I dropped. Well, that would be the Hawks of the. And you're like, oh, come on. You're not even on the air. Knock it off. The West. Is all about quality teams at the top, and name me a team that's twenty six and six after thirty one games, and say they're not really that good. I, I don't think you could do that, and I'm not going to go back and check all the teams and what their records were uh, at twenty six and six after thirty three games. I'm not going to do that. That, but I just know that they're they're tough. So I can't really sign off on what Moore says. Literally, that they are a different story. If he's speaking generally, okay. But if he's speaking specifically, I can't necessarily say that. Who's to say that they will be? That's why it's going to be so exciting, this run, until we get there. And then, of course, when we get there, it's going to be awesome. Well, I mean, first off, you got to say, you know, you don't have to, but most most players are going to say, you know, and reference the storyline that serves their purposes. So, if you're the Lakers, of course you're going to say that now. You've lost four in a row and five out of six. You're not going to sit there and say you're doomed. So, of course, he's going to no, say that. No, but what you could do, actually, though, is really pump up the jazz. 
and say, man, this is by far the best team in the league. They're going to be tough to beat. <laughs> set, set that up. You know, I remember talking to a college coach a long time ago who said they love the preseason polls because most coaches would run from the expectations. And then once you get a coach in the league who loves the expectations, you just like, you just, everybody votes for him and you just push him up there and like, you, you go take that. Yeah, I think we're going to be really good this year. Yeah, why don't you set yourself up? So, yeah, set them up. Oh, yeah. They're awesome. Then behind the scenes, you're just shaking your head no. Nope. Nope. Well, yeah, if you're the Lakers, there's no reason to believe that you shouldn't have full confidence when you get to the postseason. You've got an all-timer, and you've got a really good player with an all-timer. Sometimes I think Anthony Davis gets elevated. A lot of folks know your hero, Locke, calls him top five. I don't know that he is. With LeBron, maybe he is. With LeBron, they're a formidable combo. But I think you can name five players who you'd rather have leading your team. Yeah, because he he didn't do much with New Orleans. I think they won one playoff series. Uh, it's, you know, it's the Gasol thing there. Very good player. No one's discounting. Hall of Fame even. I mean, I've, they put Gasol in the Hall of Fame. The Basketball Hall of Fame is not the NBA Hall of Fame. It's the Basketball Hall of Fame. And obviously all the stuff that he's done with the international competition and with his uh, national team in Spain, it would be a, to me, it would be an absolute no-brainer. But just specifically NBA, if you just had an NBA Hall of Fame, if you were to put Gasol in there, I would have zero problem with it. Never won a series as the man wins two titles as the second guy because he's really good. So I want to see more of Anthony Davis. Now, with his injury issue, maybe we will. And probably we will uh, unless LeBron continues just to prove that he is an extraterrestrial being <laughs> and at 38 dominating. You know, I'm, I'm not going to say he's not going to uh, until I see that he's not going to. Since he's some form of slowing down, haven't seen it at all. This guy's just a marvel. Love, absolutely love the way he competes out there and gives it everything he has game after game after game. I can't respect that enough in this man, maybe down the line. But for right now, that's not the case. He can be that dude who plays off of LeBron. And the great thing about LeBron, we've been hearing this thing with Niang, who was on with Scotty and Hans yesterday, about you know nobody cares who gets the accolades and all that. I mean, I think at this point, I think LeBron pretty much has proven that. He's not about scoring points or any of that stuff. He's about winning. So if you're open, he's got no problem getting you the ball and whatever it might be. And so Anthony Davis actually can flourish and statistically can be the leader on that team because LeBron's got no problem if you, are got it, if you have it going or being in that position to score. He'll get you the ball. Well, I generally agree with your point that it, you know you need to be top two in your conference if you're going to win the title because there just aren't that many examples of teams coming from the three, four, five seeds to win. Mm-hmm. But there are outliers, and I, I got to admit, I wonder if the Lakers could be one of them. If they had injuries and said, "Yeah, we'll take the four seed or the three seed or the five seed, whatever," uh, but we're going to be healthy for the playoffs. When you start well, I looking think for that's the an out- obvious admittance. When I you agree think, with you 100%. Yeah, yeah. When you think, okay, that's the – you know, Gordon always talks about, you know, the column he wrote after the Jazz won game one. And, well, the team that wins game one wins like, I don't know what it was, 86% of the time or whatever. Well, what creates the outlier where this other 
10 or 14 percent or whatever the number was of the time happens, it's like, well, it's Michael Jordan. It's LeBron James. It's the all-time all-timers. They're the ones who beat those odds. So it's really important for the Jazz to be first or second, but it's probably not that critical for LeBron. I would agree with that. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Joe Ingles will be here in about 35 minutes right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.